Really? Are you, are you serious? Tell me the truth. The truth? It's only a story. It's not real. It's only a story. Are you serious? This may very well be for real. It's not real, Peter. It's a hallucination. For real? Now lighten up. We've been sitting there all serious and shit. For real? But what am I talking about? Let's get real here. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Are you serious? Are you serious right now? For real? What is real? How do you define real? That's when you know it's for real. Get it? Know that, son. Know that. It's for real. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For Real, our podcast about documentaries. I'm Matt. And I'm Special K. And today we are going to be reviewing a documentary called Running with the Devil, The Wild World of John McAfee. The old wiki machine says it's a revealing footage and interviews uncover new layers of fugitive tech pioneer john mcafee's wild years on the run so uh before we get into that okay how's your how's your week been nothing too exciting man trying to trying to edit edit podcasts and get things going again trying to get our october squared away but other than that man not too much really can't have nothing really to report on how about you you know i i feel terrible uh so me and Kay ended up being kind of a week behind for our startup and we were supposed to do this uh like a week ago so we'd be ahead but uh i was just incredibly busy and just could not get the time to take care of this so we were actually recording this about a week late (laughs) but uh technically it'll still be on time so are we late or are we are we just right who knows (laughs) yeah and real, real quick just uh uh top of the episode here Again, make sure you guys are sending your recommendations um, for documentaries. I'm also going to kind of throw this call out there. And we'll we'll be posting something on the socials too. By the time this comes out, you guys will have already seen it. But we are looking for a, a Halloween or an October guest for one episode. If you or somebody you know or somebody you listen to or watch on YouTube has any experience in paranormal investigations like not just like oh, i saw a ghost once like an actual like you've you've dedicated some time and some effort uh, maybe you bought some like actual gear ghost hunting gear and you would consider yourself um not necessarily a professional paranormal investigator but maybe like a semi-professional more than just a hobbyist, you know, um, we would love, absolutely love to have you on. So if you or somebody you know fits that description, please, please, please reach out and um, let's let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Kay is a staunch non-believer as far as the paranormal goes. Yeah, I'm a skeptic. Uh, I'm very skeptical. I myself, uh, I kind of lean in the middle, you know, there's some, there's some weird shit out there and I'm sure some, all it's got pretty, you know, logical ramifications, but what's, what's weird is, is, uh, you're like, uh, you go to church and you're like Christian, but -hmm. you're a non-believer of anything weird Mm -hmm. and I'm agnostic and I'm like, well, I mean, stuff could happen. Who knows? Like, it's such a weird 
Well, because I just don't believe that there are ghosts. I don't. I, I just. We're not gonna get into it too much this episode. We'll get into it in, in the upcoming episodes for this month. I've talked about this previously on a different podcast, but I just. I. I, I don't know, man. It's it's all complicated, but we are gonna have this conversation this season. So, strap in, buckle up, folks. It is. It's impending, and there's nothing you can do about it. But anyway, let's get let's get to today's little gem of a documentary. Yeah. Okay. So this documentary is is kind of like it's it's like there's a lot of information for almost no information. Mm-hmm. Was sort of the way I looked at it. So we're gonna cut. Like I wrote down a, a ton of notes as I was going through this, but at the end it just became really repetitive. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna kind of we're gonna kind of gloss over a lot of this. We're not gonna go point by point so much because. A lot of it's just craziness. So uh, this is actually towards the end of the story, but for any of this to make sense, it's gonna. I'm gonna kind of introduce this at the beginning. So John McCaffrey, everybody has used his antivirus software at some point. All right, mm-hmm. he created the antivirus software that's on. It was on everybody's computers in the early 2000s. I don't know like how much is on nowadays, but I know. In the early 2000s, literally everybody had one of their virus scanners in their computer. So McAfee was living in Belize, and uh, he has having arguments with his neighbor. His neighbor hated John's dogs and told him, I'm going to poison your dogs. And And then the next day, four of John's dogs were horribly ill, and John had to, John McAfee had to shoot his dogs. Because they were so sick and dying, apparently. I mean, I don't want to jump out too well, far, but and I guess we'll maybe we'll double back to this. But what do you think the chances are that the dogs were never even sick? <laughs> Based on how the rest of the story goes, there's a better than average chance that this this dog thing never happened. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw that out there. My thing was, I was like, what if the dogs just ate something they shouldn't have, like sure. a plant or whatever else? It seemed like the dogs kind of ran ran around reckless. But mm. anyway, so these four dogs get sick. John shoots them. Two days later, the neighbor that told John he was going to, uh, quote, poison John's dogs uh, was murdered. Mm. Ended up with a bolt in the back of the head. That'll happen. It's a very weird coincidence. So, um, John's living in Belize, and he contacts Vice, which is a uh, like a social media platform, I guess. Uh, they're like journalists. They have like um, yeah. public, like a website and video series and that kind of stuff. They're, they're, yeah. They fashion them, they fashion themselves as like edgy journalists. Like they don't they're not like the old suit and tie kind of guys. They're like new age millennial. Like we get to the bottom of the dirty truth, and the dirty truth is about heroin use in San Francisco. Like it's, you know, nitty gritty kind of shit. Yeah, I honestly, uh, the two they sent out, I was like, these guys do a lot of cocaine. Like that was the only <laughs> thing that was going through my head. I was like, these guys do a lot of cocaine, especially that cameraman. You know, that dude is just toking it up every chance he gets. John contacts Vice, and they send a crew to come meet John. In Belize, while he's while he's going on the run, mm-hmm. all right. So I didn't catch the reporter's name, Rocco. I thought Rocco was the cameraman. Mm, I think Rocco is the Rocco's the journalist. The cameraman is um, 
there are a lot of there was a lot of names in this guys. I'm sorry. I think, I I think his name best. was I think his name was Bob or Robert or something. Okay, so let's go with Rocco and Bob. They fly to Belize, and they meet up with him, and they meet his girlfriend, who at the time is Sam. Sam isn't just freshly turned eighteen year old, and John is somewhere around one hundred and fifty at this point. <laughs> uh, so John tells this uh, crew that the Belize government had a $150,000 bounty on his head uh, because John had basically hacked, hacked into their computers and bugged their telephones and had all this information about the secret information about the Belize government. And like, Mm -hmm. so, so the government put a $150,000 bounty on his head, dead or alive. So they go to a hotel and John's telling them all this and somebody passes John a note and John just goes, all right, guys, we have to go. And they jumped in the car and ran. And John said that essentially they told him that people were on their way to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hopped on a boat. They, they cut across the bay to Guatemala. They went through customs, immediately got flagged because they didn't have an exit stamp on your passport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't realize that was a thing. Well, like I mean, an exit stamp. Um, I don't know about exit stamp. I can't remember. I mean, I've only been out of the country a couple times. And... I don't remember getting stamped on the way out. I, we, I mean, you definitely get stamped on the way in, but I don't remember. I don't remember clear enough. I guess it makes sense though. Cause it's proof that you left like legally. You didn't just like, I don't know. Yeah. Hopped in a boat, <laughs> you know, or yeah. Which, you know, yeah. Just cut across, the, <laughs> cut across the bay and illegally enter a country. Yeah. The only times I've been out of the country, uh, I, my M4 was my passport. So I kind of just yeah, got I to go through. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, little easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they go to they go to Guatemala. They immediately get flagged. Sam tells them that she's got an uncle who used to be the attorney, the attorney like general, the, atter- the attorney general the attorney for general. the country, which is like yes, high up in any government. But I mean, that's crazy. That's a high position. Yeah, and this is in uh, Guata or this is in Guatemala, which apparently was. As they described it, one of the most corrupt regimes on the planet. Yeah, I don't think that's changed. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I've never been to Guatemala. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it, you know, I have no reason to doubt their work. <laughs> so her uncle comes down, and he takes their passports, and he says he's going to get stamped, and it's all going to get taken care of. Everything's going to be fine. And then he leaves, and then at this point, John changes his mind about like he wants to be under like undercover he's in disguise also the crazy shit he changes his mind he holds a press conference and tells everybody who he is and how he wants to wants to be a like have political asylum in guatemala because guatemala and belize apparently have a very like standoffish thing going with them yeah i mean let's let's be clear he's on the run because he's wanted for murder. Murder, yeah. <laughs> he's wanted for murder, and his story is that he has hacked into the you know the government in Belize, and he has like all this dirty information about how corrupt they are, and that's why they're after him. I mean, this is what did you think when you? What did you think when he like did the old flip flop? Like, what was your thought process in that? I was like, why? Why would he do that? Why? Like. I, they went to all this trouble to contact the uncle, and they're like, well, we don't fucking need him anyway. It's fine. Uh, I, I'd say cocaine is one hell of a drug, and I would say yeah, that uh, untreated mental illness is a problem. 
there's no question the guy was brilliant, right? I mean, he is the creator of the McAfee antivirus software, which, as you said before, everybody had. He this guy used to work for NASA, I believe. I mean, he is a he is a genius yeah. when it comes to computer programming and that kind of stuff. I don't doubt that he probably had the capability of hacking the government, but to have the change of change of heart and to totally change tactics, I just this entire documentary, his entire story is just like him flailing in water that's in way over his head. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. It's a, it's, mean, a, it's the story of a man drowning. Is what this is what this documentary is. Yeah. He asks for political asylum, and he goes back to his hotel and he goes to the camera crew, the vice crew. Hey guys, uh, get your camera out. I'm about, I'm about to be arrested, and literally uh, everybody and their brother shows up to arrest this fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people with DEA on their on their coats. There was Interpol. There was the Federales. Uh, like I said, everybody showed up except for the Girl Scouts. It was pretty. I thought it was a little over the top for you know like um. Yeah, it was a murder, but I mean, he was a rich middle-aged dude who killed somebody with a gun. Like, did they think they needed the, the fucking army to take him down? I mean, seriously. Well, I think, I mean, the way I took it was, first of all, this was a huge story, like international story that this guy, this tech guy from America, well, actually he wasn't, well, he was raised in America, but he's actually from England. This super wealthy guy, I mean, just such a crazy story. It was everywhere in the news, I guess, at the time when he was on the run. Just because it was like a weird story. This to me stunk like if you were a conspiracy theorist, which I would say that John McAfee he was, um, you would say that it's likely that he had information or at least capabilities that certain people at certain levels didn't want out. So I don't you're right. It was just like he he supposedly allegedly murdered a neighbor. I don't want to say who gives a shit because I'm sure that guy's family gives a shit, but uh, they do. But uh, this to me looked like they want him for more than just this. Like this is this is this is the reason, but there's something bigger behind it. That's how I took it, at least. Yeah, and and, and it, I mean that's kind of the way I thought about it too. I was like, if it was a murder, I could see the federales showing up, but Interpol and the DEA. I was like, this dude, maybe maybe there's something to him hacking a few government officials files and collecting information on people that wasn't supposed to get out. I mean, he seems crazy, but I could also see him doing something like that just for funsies. Sure. Although it seemed like all the, <laughs> whenever they're on the camera, I don't think he went anywhere near a computer. He was mostly just drinking a lot and banging semi minors. Um, there was a couple of times we saw him on a laptop. Uh, I, I don't know, like with the Wi-Fi service, in these places is like, but apparently he was able to access the internet. So he did have a laptop. That's, that's fair. I guess I did see him on a laptop a few times. And honestly, like you said, I mean, however everything worked out, the guy was a fucking genius. There's no, there's no debating that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was crazy, but he was also a genius. Mm -hmm. So they arrest him and uh, the camera crew's like, or the vice crew are like, uh, shit, what do we do? And then Rocco comes down to Robert and he goes, hey, man, they took everything. They took all my notes. They took my computer, my phone, everything. Mm -hmm. And it turns out while Rocco was out of the room, security came by and just jacked everything. Which I don't personally, I mean, I would have gone for the cameraman stuff. 
right? I mean, he's got all the he's got all the juicy stuff. Like you gotta figure the unedited video, you're gonna catch him saying something crazy. Yeah, again, I don't know. That to me again led credence to the fact that this was about more than just this murder. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why are you taking a journalist stuff? Had nothing to do with the murder. He's there to document this guy being on the run, not the murder itself. He has no information about the murder directly. So I don't know. Yeah, this I'm, this stunk. This has deep state stink all over it. Yeah. Uh, out of all it, you know, he claimed that, like I said, everybody and their brother was after him from the Navy SEALs to the, the Coast Guard were trying to track him down. But uh, I, I in this situation, I genuinely believe that either the Guatemalan or the Belize government were like, Hey man, uh, I'm going to need him. I'm going to need him immediately. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to need to scoop him up. Uh, if there's any information, any kind of, you know, electronic device laying around, pick that up. But, uh, John has a heart attack and they take him to the hospital and they say he's sick enough that they just send him back to the U S now. Does, does that sound like a bribe to you? No, he faked. So he faked the heart attack and escaped. Yeah, he didn't escape. They they tra- they sent him back. No, he escaped back to Miami. He went on the run from in Guatemala. Oh. He faked he faked a heart attack so that he could get in the ambulance. And then when he was en route from the jail to the hospital, that's when he went missing. So he definitely paid them off. Like he didn't just like bust out a window or like dig a hole. Like he paid somebody yeah. off to get to get out. But he they didn't just let him go. He sneaked. He snuck out of there. And he flew back to, I don't know why he'd go to Miami. I don't know why he'd come back to the United States. If you think there's some vast conspiracy against you, why would you come back here? That's where all his money's at. I mean, I I mean, I got to believe his this, money's this, in Switzerland or something. And why the fuck would you leave it here? Well, I, I just think that at this point, he didn't think the U.S. government had any reason to come after him. You know? I suppose, yeah. Because, I mean, he's only killed. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if the guy he killed in Belize was American? I don't remember. He wasn't from Belize. I think he was a, a retired American guy. But yeah, he was because the family was trying to sue him in American courts. Right. So for like twenty five million for wrongful death. Again, it's a weird. Let me just. It's, uh, it's a weird move. I think going back to Miami was a weird move. Yeah. One of the things that I put in my notes here, Rocco calls John, and he says, "All right, John. You know my editors are really busting my balls about asking this question. Two nights before this guy got murdered." You were shooting your gun off at your house and screaming, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Do you have any comments on that? And John just hung up on him. I mean, what, I mean, what, Which what are you, what, what you going to say? Uh, I, I was talking about somebody else. Talking about my, you know, like, what do you say at that? Talking about my other neighbor. Yeah, the, the guy on the other side. I've been, I had out for him for years. So we jump ahead five years later. Alex Cody is Alex Cody Foster is a ghostwriter, and he says that he writes for like musicians, athletes, famous people that just aren't talented enough to write for themselves. And John McAfee calls him up and says, "Hey, I want to meet you." Now, do you think at this point I was just trying to think like John just likes having attention, right? Yeah, he's. He's a he's a crazy person with means, which is like the most dangerous kind of crazy person, right? Everybody thinks yeah. Everybody thinks it's the like the homeless guy who's you know shit in his hand and smearing words of <laughs> wisdom on the wall, and that's like the danger. That's not the danger. The danger is the crazy guy with a 
crazy drug and alcohol habit that has the means to fly around the world and pay people off and do crazy shit. So I'm not surprised that he reached out like randomly to some ghostwriter about writing his story. I mean, he's an egomaniac as a lot of these, you know, I think he was a billionaire. He was definitely at least, you know, a hundred millionaire. Um, yeah. So I, and that's not surprising, I guess. I'm surprised with some random ghostwriter. I think once you get like enough zeros in your bank account, it doesn't really matter. I think after, let's say, nine zeros, it doesn't really matter how many zeros you have in your bank account. You know, who cares if it's nine or if it's 20? You have enough money to do whatever the hell you want, right? I mean, well, look, I mean, there is mathematically, and I've, I don't know the, I've, I've heard this like in passing before, I've seen this in passing. There is mathematically a number, and I don't know what that number is, but there is a certain point where you get to uh, a certain point financially where you, your money's making you so much money that you can't spend it all. Like you would have to actively try really hard to spend anything like that would make a big dent in your finances. So there's a critical mass. I mean, there's a point where you get so much money that you you'll always have money. And I think that's what I would love to get to that point. Just just from collecting interest. Yeah, I mean, just interest basically. and investments and what I mean. It's just like your money's making you so much money that you can't even to spend it all would be like almost not impossible. But you'd have to really try hard, like extreme, like, I would like love not to just reckless, like extreme recklessness, which would be again what John McAfee is doing in this documentary. <laughs> I, I I would love to get to the point where my money just starts making money on its own. Like I don't have to do anything to add to it. It just it should the interest just does it for yeah, me. That'd be great. That's the that, that's, yeah, the, that's that's the American dream. Uh, that's the real American dream. Making yeah. money for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want to actually like work for retirement. I just want to make enough money immediately that I never have to work again for you know, rich people that treat me like shit. Well, that's and that's the secret though. That's the rich people's secret is that it takes money to make money. And it, like I said, if you got enough money, you can make your money make you money and then you're not working. You don't have to work, you know. Well, John McAfee didn't come from a ton of money. No, he built it up, man. He built this fucking thing, yeah. this antivirus thing. Yeah, so I, that that having money, you need to have money to make money. Listen, guys, it doesn't apply if you're a literal genius. That's so true. if you're a genius, and if you are, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast and not like curing, making a laser beam or curing, something that people can fire from yeah, space. Curing cancer or something. Or, you know, I guess, <laughs> you know, Nice things like curing cancer. I uh, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but anywho, John tells Alex, this ghostwriter, that while he was living in Belize, and like I already said, he he told Alex that he was set up for the murder. Mm-hmm. He didn't actually kill the guy. The Belize government was after him because he was uh, monitoring them using a keystroke software and phone taps. Mm-hmm. And the Belize government discovered it, and they thought the best thing they could do was frame him for murder, which I, I don't know a whole lot about Belize, but if it's that close to Guatemala, and Guatemala is such a, like, a horribly corrupt government, I mean, I just assume that like in that part of the world, if the government doesn't want you to exist, you just stop existing. You know? I would say that was the biggest plot hole in his story, is why would this government feel the need to set him up like on a criminal case when he's living in a fucking jungle in Belize. Why wouldn't they just like kill him and say, Oh, a fucking coconut landed on his head. That's too bad. 
And then well, yeah. you could, Just, the body was unrecoverable. Or, you know, I don't know. You got yeah. hit him with a coconut and it fell to quicksand. We don't know where he is. You know what I mean? Like, why Why would you fuck around with this? Well, now we're going to go through the courts. I mean, people, people were even saying that in Belize, like, oh, yeah, people get murdered. Yeah. And, you know, they don't get – nobody gets caught. Right. I mean, I feel like the Belize government – if they were really after him, which it kind of seems like somebody was after him, I would just assume that there's easier ways to catch him or get rid of the problem than framing him for yeah, murder. It just doesn't, you know, know. you're killing some random innocent person. Well, maybe he wasn't innocent. I don't know. Maybe he fucking poisoned four dogs. And yeah. in this country, there are I mean, a lot of people that would say that's punishable by death. So I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, what would I do if somebody poisoned my dog? And I don't think I'd kill him because I was like, you know, that whole jail thing, like for life, that sounds like a lot. I definitely think I'd break their legs with a bat, but like, not murder. Like that just seems. No, you got to You got to do. That's you have to do something as sneaky as they did. If they poison your dogs, then you got to, you know, I don't know, run over their cat or something. You know what I mean? Like you got to get them back that way. You can't. Well, this this neighbor, I guess the reason he was so pissy was because he had a parrot mm-hmm. that he used to walk around with it on his shoulder, and and John's dogs used to come up and like harass him. And stuff because he's walking around with a fucking bird on his shoulder. Which, I mean, know? that checks out. You're Which, a retired American. Now you're living in the jungles of Belize. I think by like by constitution, you have to have a parrot on your shoulder. I think that's just what what it is. A, a parrot or a, a parrot or a giant fucking lizard. Something you have to. Have right? some, it has got to be something some weird. Animal exotic animal sidekick. I mean, that's just standard. The standard issue. Yeah. Or or you just bounce around inside of a, a kangaroo's pouch. <laughs> just something something weird. All right. But I mean, I guess in that case, like I would just probably perch up in a tree and just <laughs> wait until this guy stopped walking and just shoot the bird right <laughs> off his shoulder. Just like, oops. I mean, that that then you're even, right? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he killed four of your dogs, but he only has one parrot. So like, and John had like ten dogs. Well, and that's one thing I do want to. So like, one thing I do want to point out too, but freaking, we mentioned that John McAfee, this like computer genius, this guru, um, he's only seen in the video. Or in the documentary, handling or using a computer like, a few times. There are like thirty percent of the time he was sane. Well, and you are seeing him. I don't know how many different guns this guy owns. This guy had probably six times more guns than he had computers or any kind of good technology device in his possession. He had so many fucking guns. How did it work? I, mean, I guess when you're rich, you get this kind of stuff. But like, he how did, he's just yeah. traveling across international borders. With an arsenal this entire time. I don't know how he's doing this. <laughs> well, uh, it seemed like he didn't really like start traveling with the arsenal until later on in the documentary. Because mm-hmm. initially, like, it seemed like they were traveling with essentially the clothes on his back. And uh, I'm sure like a debit card that had unlimited, mm-hmm. you know, withdrawals on it. Anyway, so January 2019, uh, John goes on the run again. Guys, uh, he's this is at this point he's living in the U.S. and he he bounces. Mm-hmm. All right, he's saying the U.S. is after him for not paying the IRS taxes. Mm-hmm. And when, when this happens, he calls Bob the cameraman again. He says, "Hey, uh, I'm going on the run again. You want to come with me?" And Bob goes, "Yeah, sure," because apparently Bob had retired and was living on a farm with like a barn and just like in the woods. It seems like he's alone and all he does is smoke cigarettes and mm-hmm. drink. Which I might have just point out that John McAfee smoked more than anybody I've ever seen in my entire mm-hmm. life. My father was like a chain smoker, and I didn't see cigarettes in his mouth nearly as much <laughs> as I did 
<laughs> John McAfee in his documentary. This man was, if he was standing, he was smoking. Or even if he was sitting. Like, if he was up, if he was awake, he had a cigarette in his uh, mouth. Whatever takes the edge off. And nicotine will, will calm the nerves when you're on the run for murder. And now you're on the run for tax evasion and money laundering. <laughs> I mean, just everything. Like, I, yeah. So anyway, uh, John says the IRS is after him. He calls the cameraman. Bob's like, yeah, I literally have nothing else I'm doing right now. And uh, he meets him. And that's when he meets John's new wife. Her name is Janice. Apparently, when John landed in Miami, like following his, his fake heart attack and flight from, from Guatemala, uh, he met this prostitute named Janice, and uh, he fell in mm-hmm. love. And you know, it's just a story as old as time, guys. Um, I, it they, they never mention like what what happened with him and Sam, this eighteen year old girlfriend mm-hmm. he had. She just kind of like it was just kind of like, well, you know, John had a heart attack, and uh, you know, Sam died by default. I mean, it just <clears throat> like they kind of brought her like a couple times later. They sort of like brought her in and she had some random comments, but all in all, like it just seemed like they didn't give a shit about her. Well, I think that his plan was run to the United States and ain't no fucking way she's getting past citizenship. Yeah, ain't no fucking way she's yeah. getting in. So I think she was at that point, she was just dead weight. And so he just, you know, yeah. Dipped. So John sells all of his assets except for his yacht. And I put in the notes and a fuck ton of mm-hmm. guns. Yeah. Kay was correct on this. He, <laughs> The can uh Bob recorded John bringing in like all of his guns. This dude had like so much firepower on that boat. He said, "Well, I'm going to international waters. It's you know it's inherently risky, which it makes sense to me. But I just I'm also like, how much how much firepower do you need if if you run across like a small boat full of pirates or whatever else? And I don't think there's many pirates between Florida and the Bahamas." I mean, you got the Bermuda Triangle down I, I there somewhere. I, I mean, you might run into some alternate yeah, dimension where you got to fight a war, kind of multiverse situation. I feel like in that situation, somebody's going to hand you a laser gun and tell you you're in charge. <laughs> and you're just going to you're going to do what needs to be done. Not having walked off with twenty guns, which apparently is how many guns mm-hmm. he had, uh, is just not going to. I mean, how are you going to carry all that? Even Schwarzenegger in his prime couldn't carry twenty <laughs> guns and use them effectively. Let's think about the Predator situation. He didn't have 20 guns. He had like three. Uh-huh. He had a pistol, his heavy machine gun, and we're going to count the knife because he could throw that motherfucker really well. What? Well, and that, then I, I don't know how like proficient he was in firearms because, I mean, it shows in the documentary him handling the guns. He, I mean, he, he oh, fires, yeah. he he fires really them ran- He fires them randomly inside the boat, which sounds crazy dangerous to be firing a gun inside of a boat oh the boat the boat i forgot to mention the boat apparently he got he bought the boat from the wolf of wall street which i love that movie and it's got like he said he has 18 layers of fiberglass and three layers of kevlar so the boat is essentially Mm, bulletproof sounds sounds like he put that to the test yeah (laughs) um so they take the yacht to the bahamas uh janice like during this trip Janice backs up John's story about at this point it's the cartel that's trying to get him because he has too much information mm-hmm. on them. That's, that's another group that he's been secretly monitoring, which it seems like he does a lot of monitoring and doesn't do anything with the information. I mean, 
I feel like he's like a, I need black he's like a lazy people. Batman. He's this rich dude with all this like technology, yeah. but he's like, I'm not putting the fucking cape on. I'm not doing this shit. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah. Well, looks like they're murdering people today. That's yeah, you know, that's interesting, I guess. <laughs> but like, he doesn't do anything with it, and I don't. To me, I'm like, I feel like if I was monitoring governments and cartels and everything like that, I'd be, I'd be trying to blackmail somebody. <laughs> I mean, just if you have the information, what else are you going to use it for? I'd either be blackmailing people or just like dropping it anonymously so that the world finds mm-hmm. out about it. But I wouldn't be just sitting on it. Like, what, what's the point? I, I agree. I think that would call into question whether yeah. or not he actually even had anything. So Janice claims that her and John had a, uh, a fight early on in their relationship. And Janice left and called her pimp, her old pimp, and said that she's back looking for work. And they set up with some guy who said he's with the cartel. He was there to collect mm-hmm. John. And he gave her poison. She was, And he was like, I guess, went over all these plans with her. Like, we could poison, we could kidnap him, blah, 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 blah which all seems like bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, she seemed like a... I mean, I felt like, I felt like she was lying the whole time she was talking. She just seemed like a really terrible mm-hmm. liar. What did you What did you think? Yeah, about she's her? full of shit. I mean, she's a prostitute from Florida that yeah. just kind of like won the lottery and coming across this super rich, crazy drug slash alcohol addict who um, you know, quote unquote, fell in love. So yeah, I'm sure she made up some fucking bullshit story to justify whatever little scheme she was running on John at the time, and then uh, just. She probably didn't realize it was going to result in him buying a fucking yacht and grabbing her and taking her out in the middle of international waters, you know, with an arsenal and like four other dudes, uh, some security guys. Like, I don't know if they fucking signed up for that shit, but now they're all floating around. They've got, I think the the one guy, the camera guy said, like, there was so much fucking alcohol in that boat. Like, there was an unending supply of liquor the entire time they were on the boat. He said there was more alcohol than water yes, on which the is, boat. I mean, that, it checks out. And, but. and that, that there was, yeah, he said there's drugs and uh, bath yeah. salts, uh, which he said, okay, so this was the part where I was like, okay, the cameraman is no longer a valid source of information. When he said, yeah, man, bath salts were like meth mm-hmm. times 10. All right, if if you know, <laughs> if you can calculate how much worse it is than meth, we, I, I can't trust what you're saying. All right. I'm sorry. You've done too much meth. And now you're trying something that's well, worse. I mean, listen, he's definitely, I would say that the camera guy was definitely partaking in the party. I don't, I don't think he oh, was yeah. abstaining well, just to seen, be like a, an independent third party observer of this absolute dumpster fire that's happening on the high seas. I think that he, uh, he was along for the ride. And see, I would, I would argue that it wasn't a dumpster fire. I would argue that it was just a, a hell of a good party. From start to finish. Sure. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how's, how's that party end for these people? Uh, not not great at all. Uh, so, yeah, I did put in the notes. Apparently, they were doing a ton of drugs and drinking all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, John started losing it. And actually, it seems like Janice started losing it, yeah, too. Think, like, they were convinced. I think, I think both these people never had it, but could continue. They started, like, clearing out the boat. And I'm not saying, like, they were, like, cleaning it out or anything like that they were taking guns and going like floor by floor they're opening a hatch they can find listen guys boats have a lot of hatches that lead to various different things that helps repair the boat and keep it running in case something goes wrong and uh 
apparently uh, John and Janice were so fucking high and drunk that they just assumed that there was people in between the decks listening to them. Yeah, they them. insisted there were people like in the engine and had, room and shit. Like they literally tore apart their bed because John yeah. was insistent that he heard somebody underneath their bed. Yeah, and and King, that was his name. King was the was the cameraman. Uh, King was like, hey, John, maybe it's just rats. John's like, no, it's too regular to be rats. And it, it's just it was just a fucking mess. And it ended with... John and Janice were both really stoned and and John goes, uh, it's just don't worry, it's just King. And he goes, Do you want me to shoot her? Or do you want me to shoot him? And she goes, No, I don't want you to shoot him. And he goes, What if I just blow his big toe off? And she goes, Shoot him in the dick. He goes, Well, I don't want to blow his dick off. He'll we're on the open seas, he'll bleed mm-hmm. to death. What if I just shoot his toe off? And he like pulls his gun really fast and King's like, Whoa, 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 John, that's not cool, man. And after that you know, King made the smart decision and left the boat before he ended up getting murdered and dropped overboard. In the yeah, because the I, I mean, like I said, for somebody who had that many weapons to show that little knowledge or discipline of how to actually like safely handle them, the amount of times he was flagging the cameraman yeah. or flagging security or Janice was flagging, and they're just like they they, they were continually pointing their pistols and their guns, like their rifles and shit at each other all the time. It was insanity. You have drunk high people that are just waving guns around on a fucking ocean. It's in, it's, it was, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's just a mess. I, I feel like the whole thing was just, I'm, I'm surprised. Actually, I'd be more surprised if I learned that nobody died (laughs) on that trip. Like, I'm sure there's at least one security guy that didn't make it home. And they're like, oh, yeah, drunk and fell overboard with five bullets in his body. <laughs> it was weird. Anyway, so we kind of, we kind of bounce back to the ghostwriter in this. And he says, like, he was kind of, like, going over some of the, the video things he had with John. And he said, uh, well, I went to John's, like, executive assistant, mm-hmm. basically. And he said, do you ever get, like, so apparently John's father was majorly abusive to John and John's mother, like would just beat the shit out of her. And so the ghostwriter said to John's executive assistant, he goes, do you ever get this weird feeling that like John murdered his, his father? Mm-hmm. And the executive assistant was like, who told you that? Uh, how did you know that? And he's like, uh, you just did, which I'm like, well, I mean, that wouldn't shock me. Like, I feel like in that situation, I kind of give him a pass, <laughs> but so, they take off. They end up in the Dominican Republic. Now, when the boat pulls up the Dominican Republic, John leans off the boat with his pistol on his hip and immediately gets spotted by dock workers, which then turns into a just a swarm of fucking military members showing up like, hey, uh, get the fuck off the boat. You're under arrest. Which, I mean, I'm, I was like, dude, if, if you were like, actually being tracked i feel like i would do everything in my power to remain under the radar which would include not having a pistol on my hip when i'm visiting foreign countries where i have zero idea what their mm-hmm. policy is on guns I, or at least i think it's somebody who i think it's somebody enough, who's just paid their way through life not through life but through his most of his adulthood so well and that that's what i was thinking i'm like at the very least i would have enough money in my pocket to be like hey guys and just <laughs> wave it in front of their face you didn't see shit. <laughs> Shut up. You know, and call it a day. I, w- I wouldn't be like just waving it around without talking mm-hmm. to anybody first. Anyway, 
Authorities show up. They're pissed. They they pull everybody off the boat. They search the boat. They found the, the guns. They found the drugs, etc. They took everybody to jail. John uses his European passport and said he was, you know, a citizen over there. So they deported him mm-hmm. back to Europe, which was the craziest fucking thing to me. I was like, are, are, this guy is this guy is just dancing through the raindrops mm-hmm. wherever he can go. I mean, he had like how how did he how did he end up in Europe? It's just it's just crazy to me. I'm like, how how do you keep getting away with this shit? So they deport him back to Europe. He goes to Spain where he was arrested and they were holding him uh, awaiting extradition. He, at this point, one, during one of the days, he called Janice. He talked to her for a little while. He said, I'll talk to you again this evening. And then several hours later, John was found dead by suicide mm-hmm. in jail. I mean, and then it skips over to Sam, his original girlfriend, who said, oh, two weeks after he died, he called me and said, I'm one of three people in the world that know he's alive. And, he, and I can come Texas. join him. Supposedly, allegedly, he's alive in Texas. In Texas. He faces death. Listen, this mother, this motherfucker was in his late seventies when he initially started running with Janice. All right, he's too tired to run any farther than that. He's got to be dead. There's no way he's got the energy. So, to do you up. think that he killed himself, or do you think he was killed? Because that's what the big. I mean, Janice swears up and down he wasn't suicidal. Well, and normally I'd say, well, maybe he wasn't suicidal, but it seemed like John had been skipping out of paying the bill his entire life as far as with the law. And at this point it seemed like he wasn't going to get away. So I could see him just being like, well, this is it. I'm, I'm fucked. I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, uh, I think Epstein's prison guard must've been in Spain first. That's what I think. Well, there's that too. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to find out that he'd been, you know, killed by somebody. It's not like that's never <laughs> happened before. Speaking of Epstein. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Anyway, Epstein. for the listeners I mean, who don't know, like, we're talking like, about Jeffrey Epstein, who also didn't kill himself. I think I really think he was killed, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I mean, he could have killed himself, but, you know, I, I know I know I said he was bullshitting a lot when he said that he was you know monitoring people's keystrokes and stuff. But he definitely had the means to do that. I mean, at this point in the world, everybody's used McAfee to to block, you know, viruses and monitoring software and he wrote mm-hmm. the fucking software, so it wouldn't be hard for him to get past it. Yeah, so, I think this is one of those things know. where it's a conspiracy theorist wet dream. Like, it makes perfect sense that uh, somebody would off this dude because he knew too much. At the same time, though, uh, he was, a, like I said, like I've said about five times already, he's a mentally Ill, mentally ill person who's not getting treatment, who also has a crazy drug and alcohol dependency, who's now locked up in a place where he can't get either of those two things. So I, would, I wouldn't doubt if his drug-addled, uh, you know, alcoholic mind was like, ah, I'm dying physically here. I'm going through withdrawals. And so I'm, I'm going sure back to I'm going to the United States. I, I know I'm fucking up financially. Because listen, there's no way he's like doing all this shady shit and running the country, running the world. And then he's like paying his taxes like he's supposed to. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't add up. No, no. I mean, he's... They had him on video saying, I will never pay taxes again to the IRS or the United States government. And I don't believe that anybody should. Also, I, I forgot to mention, at one point, John McAfee was semi-running Yeah, he was running for president when he was in, uh, after he'd come back, after he escaped Guatemala, he was living in Florida. He ran for president in, uh, under the, the libertarian ticket. I, I don't think it went any. obviously it didn't go anywhere, but he did run for president. 
<laughs> Thank God, president. I feel like he would have just been mm. like <laughs> the uh, <laughs> been like Trump's original <laughs> software. I mean, I let's be honest. He's he's a, a he was a lunatic millionaire that was a narcissist. Like a he- I mean, obviously can't diagnose him with anything else. But at the very least, the guy was an extreme narcissist, and probably. I'd say at least a little well, schizophrenic. Well, look, I, I've I've met like I I've met people not like him on that level, but I've met crazy people that have like similar characteristics. They just don't have the means to you know go try yeah. around the globe. But um, yeah, it's I mean it's a weird, wild thing. So you have this like everybody's against you. Everybody, there's always some kind of conspiracy. Mm-hmm. There's always some sneaky shit. They always have some like technical capability or some knowledge that other people don't, and they have dirt on everybody and it's just what a wild way to live a life i just it seems so like i think we said before he had millions of dollars he could have just chilled in the jungle in belize and just like drank and did coke all day if he wanted to do that and he would have been totally fine but instead yeah. he allegedly kills a neighbor and has to go on to run i mean dude you had it made just stay your ass on the beach bro what are you doing and listen it wouldn't shock me to find out that he had actually of course he murdered did. the neighbor of course he killed that not- dude yeah, I mean, I wouldn't show. Same with his father. And like I said, it's not like his father's a real piece of shit, so I wouldn't really, you know, lose any sleep if he had murdered him. But I, at the end of the day, like, he seems like a, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like a crazy person. He imagined everybody was out to get him. He was also, on top of that, a genius. So in his mind, he's running, like, calculations about who would mm-hmm. most be after him right now because of whatever information he happened to be storing somewhere or in his brain or made up in his brain. I mean, it's really kind of sad. Like, I'm like, dude, if you would have gotten on some good medication, you could have been running well, the and, planet and, by now. And he surrounded himself with <laughs> yes people, people who just went along with his delusion because they were on yeah. the payroll. This guy's bankrolling these trips and this, you know, I'm sure not a single one of them paid for any alcohol and or drugs the entire time they were floating around in the Caribbean. You know what oh, I mean? No. So yeah, sure. No, yeah, sure, John. Yeah, the U.S. military is after us. Yeah, sure, John. The Guatemalan government's after us now. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, of course. Just a bunch of yes men. And that was that was that was the documentary, guys. It wasn't. How did you feel about it? What would you rate well, on? on the I mean, first scale? of all, I thought it was good. One thing that I I liked about it was that it. I was afraid going into it that it was going to be some like the life and times of John McAfee. It was going to be like some biography where it's going to go into his childhood. And it touched, like you said, it touched base on that. But I was really afraid it was going to be like, uh, let's talk about this guy's life and his accomplishments and really delve into his past. And then we'll cover the fact that the end of his life was like turbulent and like a wild story. That's not what this is. This documentary is basically primarily 95% of it is covering his having been on the run from Belize after he's accused of killing his neighbor. So I, I like that. I, I mean, I like that it was very focused, laser focused on that part of his life. And then they just kind of touch base on some backstory just to kind of fill in some gaps for you. I appreciated that. I think it was well edited. I think it was well done. Um, it, it is a fucking wild story. I mean, there's no question about it. It's just, it's, I mean, imagine if Elon Musk was accused of murdering his neighbor and went for a run. I mean, that is kind of equivalent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean it's, time. it's. I thought it was well. I thought I mean I, I would recommend people watch it if you're interested in a wild story. To watch it again, I'd want a couple beers. But yeah, it was I'm, to to watch it again. I I'd want two beers, and it wouldn't be because I I wouldn't enjoy the documentary. It's just because that I'd want to <laughs> have two beers. 
I mean, I thought it was a good documentary. I thought it was pretty compelling. It was, it was, you know, kind of hard to stop watching mm-hmm. once you started watching it. My only complaint was that by the end, I was just like, okay, yeah, somebody else is out <laughs> to get you, you fucking lunatic. So, yeah, I'd say two beers. Well, uh, that concludes our podcast, I guess. Uh, this is kind of like the weirdest ending ever. I don't know how to, we just sort of stopped talking, but, uh, yeah, please subscribe, rate and review. We're still out of practice guys. Listen, I, I just listened to our podcast the other day and it, it does sound like we're out of practice a little bit. Like we said, if you guys know anybody that's interested in the occult or maybe has some sort of occult experience, please have them contact us. We'd love to talk with them a little bit. Uh, Kay especially is such a non-believer i'd love to have somebody on that that has some crazy <laughs> stories to tell them but uh shoot us an email at cancel the podcast say again cancel the podcast at gmail.com i'm, I'm matt see you guys next time later